0: Title this morning of course goes with the song Come to Me. It's a it's a simple statement, a simple request, a simple command, if you will. Second Corinthians eleven verse three. Religion can make things complicated, and it's not. There are some things that we can get into the Bible and discuss that can be rather complicated, but I'm talking about a relationship with God. I'm talking about salvation, it's not complicated. I can show you a list of all the requirements to come to this church on one page. That's it. There are no requirements, there is no list, it's not complicated. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3 says, But I fear lest by any means the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your minds should be uh, corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And, and it is simple. I didn't bring my Bible up, I always print my things. But if I had my Bible here in my hand, I could lift it up. That's the the manual, right? It's the fool's guide to living. Who are the fools? Well, I'm one. I just talked about me. I'm a fool. I know nothing. Nothing. I don't like instructions and manuals very much. Usually when I get a new thing and I'm supposed to put it together... I just set the instructions over here. I'm a smart guy. I can figure it out. Then I get this thing assembled, and I'm looking at the parts that are left over, thinking, what are they for? And then guess what I got to do? Go get the manual or the instructions that I set aside, and oh, it was insert tab A into slot B. And I have to correct myself. You know, that you can go into the libraries and stores and find that Idiot's Guide to Anything. Computers, whatever. I remember I bought one, the uh, Idiot's Guide to Calculus. It didn't help me. <laughs> I was still struggling with it, <laughs> trying to figure things out. And I thought, well, this is going to make it plain and simple. And it still was not plain and simple to me. But we have an instruction manual. And there's a lot of things in there. But the fact is. To gain Christ is a simple thing. Call upon his name. That's it. You know what Christ's call to you is? We sang it. Come to me. That's it. You know what your witnessing can be comprised of come to church listen what God has for you seek him you'll find him those aren't complicated things come to me that does come from Matthew eleven twenty eight. that's a shorter version of it just come to me but we sang almost all the words there The cry of Christian religion is the gentle word, come. The Jewish law harshly says, go, take heed to your steps concerning the path in which you shall walk. Break the commandments and you shall die. Keep them and you shall live. That's pretty harsh stuff. And the sad thing is, we all fail. The law was an age of terror, which drove men before it as with a scourge. The gospel is the opposite, it draws man with bands and bonds of love. And I added bonds because it talked about, there's a word in that song, yoke. There's two ways of looking at a yoke. It's either you're in prison and bondage and under control, but also the yoke of Christ, which is, what did it say? Easy. Makes your burden light. And that's what the manual says, right? Jesus is the good shepherd. He always goes before his sheep. Inviting them to follow him. To use him as a guide. The law repels. The law repels. The gospel attracts. The gospel attracts you. I love playing with magnets. I got, I get them out when all the kids come over every time. It's there's fun to play with. I got a, probably a hundred and something, these little magnets, different shapes, and you can horse around with magnets. And there's ways that when you turn it, they go together. It's it's automatic. It's this unseen power that pulls it together. You turn them the other way, opposite poles, and what do they do? Well, wait a minute. Sorry. Same pole. It'll push away. God's like a magnet. You have both poles. One will attract you to God. The other one, you repel yourself from God through your own action or position. I hope that analog works for you. But the law repels and the gospel attracts the law separates, the gospel puts together. The law shows the distance there is between sinful man and a holy God. It's a distance that's so vast we can't even express it. But Jesus can fill and bridge the gap between holy God and sinful man. From the first moment of your spiritual life until you are ushered into glory, the language of Christ to you will be, come unto me. For the first time, and for every day that you live. That manual teaches you how to walk. Oftentimes, I've set that manual aside, tried to do things my own way, and I always have parts left over. There's always something missing until I go back to the manual. And then I see all the gaps that I left doing things my own way and corrected. This is a wonderful thing in life. When a mother or father, I only got to witness this with my firstborn, my secondborn, I was at sea. But I remember Ben... Learning to walk. In fact, I remember Evan learning to walk. I was there in the house with him babysitting. He was uh, at the coffee table. You know, he was like all the other kids. You know, they kind of work themselves up, and they're standing there feeling pretty good about themselves, right? They're standing. And then I called him, and he turned, and he started coming to me. About the third step though, he looked around. There's no coffee table, there's nothing else to hold on to. And you know what he did? You've seen it. Set right down. And that's kind of what we do. Christ calls to us, we start taking some of those steps. We look at around at the difficulties, the storms in life in general, and we get scared. There's nothing to hold on to that we can see except that Christ is always with us holding our hand. And we can take another step and another until we learn how to walk. Sadly though, I'm 65 and I still fumble and walk and stumble and trip. And again, it's not the measure of how many times you fall, it's how you get back up. And if you get back up through the help of Christ, now you're walking indeed the right way. Also, perhaps in a direction that God wants you to. But how did it start? Because Jesus said, come to me. And you either bravely or just by some notion started going that direction. Again, not of your own will, but because of the call. Do you stop watching your children once they've taken that first step or two? No, you're watching them perhaps even closer now. You don't want them to walk into danger, stumble into something that's the wrong thing or uh, something that could harm them. But God is always calling you and Jesus says, Come, you that are blessed of my Father, come to me. Indeed, this is not just Christ's call to you, if you are a believer. This is also your cry to Christ. Come to me. Come to my heart. Come, save me. Come, forgive me. You will be panting for a nearer and closer communion with Him. After He has called you, you call Him, you want more. You're thirsty. We sing that song. As the deer panneth for the water, so my soul panneth after thee. That, that's what's in here. Because there's something we want. There's something we need. We need instruction. We need guidance. Please come and occupy my heart. Save me. Consecrate me. Entirely for your service. Back to yoke. There's ways to get into a yoke of bondage. Borrowing money's one, and that's an easy one. But there are others. You sin, you're in bondage. You go try some things of the world, and it will grab you and chew you up and spit you out. There's nothing that the world has that you can get and not want more or not be less than you were before because of that thing that you participated in. It damages you. And that's what Satan wants to do is destroy. He can't destroy you in terms of taking you away from your salvation. That's impossible. But he can make things difficult. He could put things in your path to lure you. He's always wanting to devour you. Do you think he wants to devour the people in the world? Well, I guess in a way he does. He already owns them. <laughs> he wants you. Luke 4:18. Simplicity. Go to Jesus. Come to him. This should be uh, some red letters in in your Bible, are they not? And we know what that means, who's speaking. Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's interesting. Jesus saying that the spirit of the Lord is upon him. Right? He is the spirit and God incarnate. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, To preach deliverance to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind. And set at liberty them that are bruised. A lot of these words were within those songs we sang. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. But then here's the doubt coming in quickly. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily, I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias when the heaven was shut up three years and six months with great famine and was throughout all the land. Wasn't that long ago? I don't know, six months or a year, maybe it's, maybe that's long to you. Uh, Brother Vince preached from this. Wonderful. Sermon. Who God went to during those time periods? It was others. And it's six to talk about it. But unto none of them was Elias sent save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Eliseus the prophet. And none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman who was Syrian. Those are kind of things to ponder about what God was doing, who he was sending salvation to, uh, healing, and so forth. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, this is just like the world around us today, they were filled with wrath. Doubt came, Then anger and wrath, and then murderous hearts. Let's see here. And rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong, head first, throw him over the cliff. They wanted to kill him. This is one of many attempts on the life of Christ. It wasn't his time yet, and that wasn't the method. And I like this next one. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. You know, I don't know exactly how that worked, but they didn't know it. But he walked right through the middle of them and left. And I'd like to see the, the, the looks on their faces, the astonishment. Where did he go? He was right here. We had our hands on him, perhaps. Now he's gone. He had power. And came down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. He kind of left his hometown and started preaching and talking in other areas. Matthew 11, verse 15. But there was purpose in all of that. It was And it's written down to demonstrate to us doubt, fear, anger, wrath against the Son of God. They didn't have the right ears. They weren't given sight to see who it was they were trying to torment or kill. They were filled with the wrong spirit. Spirit of anger, wrath, and murder which all comes from the father of lies, Satan. That's what we're seeing now in the world, what they're doing. They're driven by one master. And that's who they serve. Matthew 11, right? Verse 15. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. But whereunto shall I liken this generation... It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath a devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a winebibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. I'm going to stop there. A friend of publicans and sinners. Hallelujah. That's me. (laughs) I'm a publican. I'm a sinner. Maybe not in the exact terms, but you know exactly what I'm saying. I rejected God. I I set the manual aside. I wanted to do things my own way. But he's my friend. (laughs) But wisdom is justified of her children. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. And this is where it gets to something interesting. And this is all came from this study of, uh, I was, again, pulling up verses and scriptures of either the last day, day of judgment, uh, uh, resurrection day, And scanning and looking at all of them and seeing how they came together. Because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment, than for you. This should scare people. Not us. When people think about or consider this, if they ever pick up the manual, it should raise fear and concern in their lives because a judgment day is coming. But the problem is they don't see judgment. They're okay. They've done right in their own eyes. But when we look at that law that separated us, we see, oh my, I've not done things right. And that's just an easy way of putting it. Oh my, I'm a sinner. I'm unclean. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day but I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. I'm going to continue to 25, but I got a question for you. Why? Why is it more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah or any of these examples that Christ mentions than for these people? They witnessed, they saw, they heard the miracles. You know, in other parts of the Bible it says, if they tried to write down everything that Jesus did, it would fill all the books. We only have just a small amount of some of the miracles. It was a constant thing with him. By the way, healing those that were his elect, and I'm certain many that were not, and I would put the example before you of the ten lepers. Where are the nine? Now I don't, am I saying all those are unelected? I don't know. But they certainly had no gratitude for being healed from an awful, awful disease. But all these that witnessed him, saw him. And what did the Sadducees and Pharisees ask of him? Show us a sign. All they had to do was look around. They had scribes and Pharisees watching him, trying to trip him up and witness to all the things that he'd done, and yet they still had that anger, wrath, and murderous hearts. Why more tolerable than Sodom or any of these other examples? Verse 25, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father... The Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent. Stop there. They weren't truly wise, nor were they prudent. They were wise and prudent in their own eyes. They said they followed the law. They were clean. They were okay. And everybody else was a sinner. And were lacking. When in fact, it was the other way around. They were lacking in all things. And the wisdom was given to the babes. And thou hast revealed them unto babes. Finished the verse myself already. All right, verse 26. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. What was good in his sight? To give the wisdom to the babes, to the unlearned. To have a book, to have a, show a fool like me what to do, how to walk, what the manual is, what does it say? Give me some instructions. It's right there. And when we read, we get that love. We get the attraction that is Christ and God. We see the need for completeness. The opposite of that, we see the hole that is in our heart. The, the, the. The spirit that is there, that is of our own, that always goes away from God. But when the spirit of God is put within you, it attracts you to him, to the truth. Sorry, I lost my place. Even so, okay, verse 20 says, But all things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man, the father, save the son or accept the son, and he, to whomever, whomsoever, the son will reveal him. There's a whosoever, there's a whosoever, there's a whosoever, right? God revealed stuff to you, the babe. The one without knowledge, the one without understanding and wisdom. But he revealed these things to you. Why? I don't have a good answer for that except that he loves you. I've asked that question many times here. Verse 28 we sang the song Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Back to yoke. You know, back in the day, they didn't have tractors, and way, way back when, they used oxen. And that's how they plowed the fields. They did it within the last century with mules and things. And it was really a valuable thing to have matched mules. They were paired. They knew each other. They knew how to work together. They knew what to do. And it was needed to plow and to raise your crops and to break up the ground, to take that difficult ground hard to deal with Kind of turn it upside down, ready for planting. Pretty sure I've used this uh example before or analog, that you get a new ox. You gotta raise it. So what do you do to train it? You tie it up with the yoke, and the yoke is usually a piece of large piece of wood. And you probably get this picture in your mind that I have. You know, it's up around near their shoulder and neck area, and they're harnessed to it. And they're both matched and put to that. But that new ox doesn't really know what to do. So what does the lead ox do? Does the work. Shows the other one how to walk, how to plow, how to live, how to do. And then it's trained too. That's what Christ does to you. He's taken the yoke And you're following him. The yoke is easy. Follow him. Do what he instructs. Do what he does. Be like him. The opposite of that is, again, bondage from yoke, from some of the things that I mentioned. But the best bondage or yoke to be strapped to is Christ, to be in bondage with him, to be his prisoner. What a wonderful thought to be a prisoner of Christ. I know I've used this example before. But to be his. There's no better place to be than to be a prisoner of Christ. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Galatians 5 1. Stand fast. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Well, does that uh, counterintuitive to what I just said? I thought we were a prisoner. Yet we're free. Those are not opposing ideals. What are we free from? Guilt, sin, punishment, Wrath. Also just the things of the world. When you're following him, you're free from those. It doesn't mean you're not going to be attracted and make mistakes. Set the manual down. Have some parts left over. That's part of life. But we are free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And that's again the negative side of it. All sin will put you... Sin will put you into bondage. Even if it's just a short time, you are. And there's a cost. There's a penalty. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. Again, we're back to law repels, gospel attracts. So we're saying again, the law repels, pushes you away. The gospel attracts and forgives. And then, if you're in that condition, Christ has become no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. And I would say you've never had grace, you don't know what grace is. And he's talking a lot about the Sadducees and Pharisees, the unbelievers, those who were attacking the church. And it started within. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. I talked about that a little this morning. Hope and faith go together. I can hope for a lot of things, but my blessed hope is that I get to see Jesus, that I'm forgiven, I'm spared the wrath I'm not judged. When the book of deeds are opened, all my deeds are covered by the blood of Christ. They're not there. My deeds and my sin have been cast as far as the east is from the west. Praise his name. Hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love, gospel and love attract. Ye did run well, who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you, and a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Be careful what you're considering, it messes up everything you're thinking. Or be careful of the people you're affiliating with, their leaven can affect you. There's lots of ways to apply that. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. And think of all the people in the world now that are uh, anti-Israel, anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-you, anti-this church. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased? I would, they were even cut off, which trouble you. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only, this is a warning, use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And this is especially of those in your church. But we should extend that to the world. You show them that unconditional love and perhaps it will change them. And you can tell them, come, come listen. Come hear the words of forgiveness and love. Come, hear the things that can reunite you with the holy God. Verse 15, this is important. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Who's he talking to? Christians. We expect that of them out there should never happen here. Ever. But we do. We're we're human. But sometimes we set that rule book aside and get this thing in our own mind that somehow we've got it figured out and woe to the other person. That's biting and devouring. I've done it. And I'm ashamed of it. But what do we do? Let's look at the manual. What would Emmanuel say? I say then, walk in the spirit. How do we learn how to walk? Jesus is calling us. We take those steps and continue to go to him as he's beckoning us. Walk in the spirit and he shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if, if you're in that biting and devouring mode, what spirit are you listening to? It ain't Christ. What did Jesus say to Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. Another time you know not what spirit ye are of. We've got to be careful because we can get things in our mind and think, "Well, well, I'm right. They're wrong. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. And listen, so you cannot do the things that ye would. You want to be defeated in something? Start biting and devouring. It destroys everything else. So get back in the right spirit. Verse 18, but if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law amen to that I've broken the whole law have I done every one of those on the list the big list no but if I've done any one part of it I've gone against the whole law down to verse 25 if we live in the spirit remember I said learning how to walk come to Jesus but if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit keep walking keep listening what a wonderful thing it is to watch that child do those steps and he feels so warm hearted and it's a lovely thing to to see go to Micah 2.11 nope never mind I eliminated that one you can write that down look at it later it didn't fit with what I was wanting to say Romans 8 in closing Romans 8 verse 1 there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk Not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Read the manual. Learn how to walk. Keep reading the manual. Go back to it. Look at the instructions once in a while. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Again, the law repels, the gospel, and love attracts. That's also how we attract people to Jesus. How? Showing love and forgiveness. Tell them, come. Come listen. Free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through flesh. the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. He walked perfectly as an example for us that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh, what do they do? They mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. I cut off my verse. But to be spiritually, what is the rest of it? Mind and and peace. That's it. Watch what's going on up here. Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? We don't have that song in our book. Tell it to Jesus. Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? tell it to Jesus. May God bless you.